welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionHydration.com, who offer electrolyte drinks in different strengths to match how you sweat. You can personalize your hydration strategy today at PrecisionHydration.com, and you can get a free box or tube of pH worth up to $9.99 using the code OxygenAddict. And we're also brought to you by Thriver.co. Take health tracking to a new level with your personalized at-home finger prick blood test. You can get £30 off your first test with the code OxygenAddict30. More about our sponsors later. Right, everyone, thanks very much for joining us. We have got a super interview for you this week. I've managed to catch up with Lucy Charles Barkley, fresh from her second place in Kona. Got a great interview hearing all about that race, all about her year leading up to that race. Interestingly, all about the training that got her into the shape where she was able to do that race and make that epic comeback in her battle with Sarah Crowley out on the Queen Kate. So uh, she's done a brilliant job of telling the story of that. She's always a great interview. She's always a super hard worker, but we really get into the depths of some of the frankly hellish sounding sessions that her coach and husband Reese has put her through in the lead up to this uh, for Kona this year. And um, yeah, some really great insights into her mindset and how she really stays strong and trains herself to be able to, to race when it matters the most. But first, before we get to that, we've got some news and excitement of the the week just gone. So first up, you'll have seen this. Ironman Western Australia took place this past weekend. Um, Always renowned for being a fast course. But on a week where the conditions were not fast, it was hot and it was humid. There were two incredible standout performances. First up on the women's side, we had a win for Teresa Adams. She broke the course record and she went eight hours, 38.43. Now, I think that is an astonishing performance given that she actually closed the run out um, when you think Chrissy went sort of down at 8.18 and closed that down with a low 240s run, Teresa Adams' run in the sort of the low three hours there, her swim and her bike were absolutely on a par with the best performances I think we've ever seen in the sport. So an amazing performance from her. She took the win ahead of Sarah Piampiano, who uh, was there in 8.42, and Groot Safrados from Spain in 8.49 closed that out. And a shout out to Brit Katrina Matthews, who a lot of you will know as Kat Rye. She she went 8.53 on debut at Ironman, which, which is pretty astonishing. And a lot of people have been saying behind the scenes, this is where her future lies at the, the long distance racing. And she's really proved that against an incredibly stacked field on a very, very fast day to go sub nine on your first Ironman is, is an outstanding performance. So well done, Kat. Over on the men's side, it was a win for Ali Brownlee. He took that out in 7.45. He rode 4.10 and he then ran in a 2.44 to take that out overall. The interesting fact for me here was that him watching him run through the halfway point, he was through in about 1.17 at the halfway point. Um, And it looked like he was just on cruising power for the second half of that. And in my estimation, could probably have run 2.36, 2.37 if he'd been pushed to maybe even faster, if he'd absolutely gone for it. He looked relatively fresh at the finish line. And especially considering he's not known to go particularly well in the heat and humidity, or at least that's, you know, that's conventional wisdom. He certainly proved that wrong. If he can go 745 on a course like that with no one around him, 
it just boggles my mind as to what's going to happen the next time he races in Kona with with competition around him. And interestingly, if you think back to our interview with with Cam Worth last week, he was sort of saying there, you have to go 7.45 to win. And he reeled off a list of races since his race at Italy where he went 7.45. Every major Ironman has been won in around the 7.45 mark. And again, with those runs down under the 2.45 mark, down into the low 2.40s. So his almost almost prophecy of races are going to be won in 7.45 from now on holds true. If you look at the second place, Matt Burton, 7.55, he was very close to the old course record of Terenzo's. And in third place, Tim Van Berkel in eight hours flat and 27 seconds the kind of times that would have been astonishingly quick and would have easily won races just a year ago, people are being pushed to those levels even just to reach the podium. So very interesting to watch. So uh, yeah, watch that with interest because I think we, we've we seen a seismic shift happen since Kona this year and we're going to see those times continue to be faster and faster and faster. All right, now before we go into our interview of the week with Lucy Charles Barkley, shout out to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. You need to keep yourself properly hydrated and you need to keep cramp away when you're stuck in your indoor training blocks. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, we are deeply into the winter at the moment. It's cold, it's icy, and it's often not safe to ride outside, even on days like today where, as I'm recording this, it's a beautiful sunny day outside. And um, the temptation is always for me to go and ride when it's like this, when it's two or three degrees and sunny. But I know from having watched lots of crashes happen and having been out and had loads of dodgy episodes myself on the ice, you've only got to come around a corner and it's an icy frozen section in amongst the hedges and you're down and, and God knows what can happen. So make sure you keep yourself safe by training indoors. And if you are training indoors on the days when it's not safe to be outdoors, you need to keep on top of your hydration and keep the cramp away. And precision hydration is the perfect situation to be using with this. Okay. So precision hydration, make electrolytes in different strengths to match how you sweat so anything from 250 milligrams all the way through to 1500 milligrams of sodium per bottle what that means is you can take their online sweat test get a really good lead as to whether you are a particularly salty or particularly heavy sweater and you can mix in the appropriate amount of sodium for you how heavy you sweat and or how salty your sweat is now i've been to visit these guys in person and had one of their in-person sweat tests done using the little machine they do for this and know that for every bottle i lose i'm losing very close to that 1500 milligrams of sodium so I've absolutely got to take care of it. Last proper turbo session I did, both my calves locked up completely at the end of it. So it's super important for me. I know from a lot of the athletes I've talked to, they feel as though they're more confident in their body when they're taking that precision hydration and keeping their electrolytes topped up. So if you've never tried it before, risk-free trial, a free box or tube worth up to $9.99 using the code OxygenAddict. And if not, just get over there and get yourself ordered and it will get you through the winter and take care of that sweat loss on the treadmill or the indoor trainer. All right, here we go then over to this week's interview of the week with the one and only Lucy Charles Barkley. Hey Rob, yeah, it's really good to be back on. It seems like absolutely eight to have a good catch up with you. Yeah, it's been I was looking back, it was it was December of seventeen, the last time we managed to get you on. So it's been there's a lot to chat about since then. <laughs> yeah, a lot has happened. It's been a crazy journey even since then. So and time has absolutely flown. I can't actually believe it's been that long. So uh 
And yeah, it's been good. Sure, it must have gone crazy for you. Well, listen, let's set the scene a little bit. The first time you came across our radar, I was down at Ironman UK. I was in the press tent, and there were all these very serious-looking mid-40s men coming across the line, collapsing and rolling around in agony. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you bounce through with your basically with your hair tied back in bunches and with a big smile on your face, and everyone's like, "Who's that? And how does she look so fresh still?" And then you fast forward sort of four or five years and here you are with three, obviously, second places at the Ironman World Championships, multiple wins at Ironman, God knows what else going on. So you showed the promise from the very early age. What I want to get today is the idea of the story of what's happened over these last couple of years for you and and how life is different from, you know, we followed you from just trying out Ironman to getting very good and turning pro very quickly to now, obviously, you're one of the, if not the most established names in the sport. And it does all happen in a very quick space of time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, back in sort of 2014, 2015, I was doing my first Ironmans, like you said, uh, Ironman UK in Bolton. And just going, well, initially to go and just finish and say I've done an Ironman and then getting hooked on it, coming back and wanting to win my age group and qualify for Kona and then going on to win my age group at Kona. Um, it's been a whirlwind of a journey and I, I definitely, I mean, it, it looks like it's kind of been an easy journey, I guess, from the outside. A lot of people just think it's kind of happened, but I can promise you it's been a lot of hard work <laughs> and I definitely have had a boost from my swim fitness, um, growing up being a good level swimmer and then taking that into Ironman's definitely helped. But yeah, there's definitely been struggles along the way. There's, there's been injuries to deal with and, kind of increasing pressure as the level of your competition gets higher and obviously you've got sponsors to please and always the biggest pressure definitely still comes from myself because I've always been a born competitor and I just want to win races because I enjoy winning so I still think the biggest pressure always comes from myself and the kind of pressure and ambition I have to to do well is always in there but ultimately even since the beginning my key thing coming into triathlon was to have fun because swimming had kind of got to the point where it wasn't fun anymore and going training was a real chore and the early mornings took their toll and even when I was still competing well as a swimmer I just wasn't getting that buzz anymore so that was really why I did come into triathlon because I just wanted to have that love of sport again and I stand by that now, even competing at the highest level. I'm, I'm really trying to keep it fun. Even when I'm training day in, day out, we always have an element of fun in, in our sessions just to keep it exciting and to keep us going because ultimately I think that's what will lead to a long and successful career in the sport. So all going well so far, definitely. <laughs> well, one of the things that really came across, you know, right at that very first race in the UK was it was how much it looked like you were enjoying doing it. And you know, you were kind of dancing around in the area at the finish line. And it was obvious. I mean, you said to us at the time, this is just the the best sport ever. I'm having so much enjoyment doing it. It looks like that has somehow managed to carry on all the way through your five years so far of your, or your four years of your pro (laughs) career so far. And that passion for the the different kinds of training that you're doing really comes across in, you know, all the YouTube videos that you make and your Instagram and stuff like that yeah (laughs) yeah I mean definitely like I said we are just trying to enjoy what we're doing and I kind of stand by if you're not enjoying what you're doing then what's the point in doing it and I absolutely love my job I feel like I definitely have the best job there is and yeah of course there's times where it's really hard and 
you're really tired and the alarm goes off at quarter to five in the morning to go swim training and it's tough but actually if you have got that real love of the sport then you can continue to do it and yeah we are just trying to have as much fun as possible whilst trying to compete at the highest level <laughs> now you say we a lot and I really like this obviously <laughs> you're you're coached by your husband Reese, who was your fiance when we met you originally one thing I've been wondering is it again you said before it looks like a kind of ideal situation for me outside but I'm sure that competing at the very highest level and being coached to compete at the highest level Reese must have to make you do some sessions <laughs> really very unpleasant <laughs> so is that other times when it's tough is it is it different is it difficult to have to wear sort of different hats between the relationship and the coach athlete relationship yeah I mean it's a it's a very interesting dynamic and I'm sure there's probably a lot of couples that think how the hell do you guys do that um, <laughs> I mean we we met as swimmers so but we were always in quite a high pressure sporting environment and I think even from quite early on, Reese was someone that I looked up to as kind of a mentor for me um, to like advise me on what I should do and maybe how I should approach different races. So he's always kind of had that slight coaching role for me anyway. Um, and then we went on to set up our own business. So we were business partners as well and doing personal training together. Um, and then we decided to jump onto this triathlon journey together. So whatever we've been doing we've been doing it together and most of the time we literally are tied at the hip I think we've been together nearly nine years now and probably in the space of that time we've we've spent less than probably two months apart across that time so we do spend a hell of a lot of time together and yeah of course there's times when we we're debating what sessions we should do and I mean a prime example was Probably about four weeks out from Kona, Reese had set me this absolutely disgusting run session um, <laughs> to which Reese, um, uh, I think he had done his final race of the year. So he was kind of on a little bit of a break, but he was trying to stay at his fitness level so he could do these last few sessions with me to really help me along and give me that extra boost. And it was a really long run session that I had to do. And I felt like Reese was running quite well. Um, and then we had these two blocks of about 8k that were the main part of the long run where I had to hit quite a fast pace and so we set off on the first one and Reese shot off and I was I just had a bit of a strop really I was like I can't keep up with that that this is ridiculous so to which Reese stopped and was like are you going to do this session or not and I was like no I think it's too hard um so he was like well just go home then if you're not going to do it and uh well that kind of um fired me up a little bit I guess I got a bit annoyed to which um I went on to just absolutely smash this session and Reese couldn't keep up with me so he was just like see I told you you could do it and often that happens quite a lot where I think he set me sessions that maybe are a little bit too ambitious but actually he knows I can do it I've just got to find that place and go to it to be able to do the session so um yeah it definitely is an interesting dynamic and he really does get me doing some sessions that I don't think I'm capable of and then somehow he he manages to make me do it so it's definitely working I mean the results kind of speak for themselves to say that what we're doing together is working um but yeah there's times where it is really really hard most of the time we are we work really well together and we kind of bounce off each other but there's definitely days where maybe one of us or even both of us are so so tired that um we can get a bit grumpy but I think that's that's only normal so um yeah <laughs> do you think he does that deliberately sometimes kind of to get you fired up <laughs> yeah I often feel like 
um, one of the key things that works in our program is that I can I never get comfortable so there's never I never really get to repeat the session at the same intensity I did before we're always stepping up a little bit which gets quite annoying as an athlete because you're like oh but I I feel like it should be easy this week but it never is because we're always pushing on that little bit more and he's very good at doing that um but (laughs) but I never get to enjoy the luxury of thinking oh yeah this is easy and uh, it's easier than last week because we're always trying to push it on a bit so um but it works (laughs) and do you think do you think that has a knock on onto race day when you've done so many sessions where you've started out not feeling that you're capable of doing them does that have an effect on your race day when you've got all those in the bag yeah definitely I mean one of the key things people say is that how do you pull yourself out of dark spots in a race and how do you keep your head strong in a race that long and a lot of the time it is recalling on those sessions where when I started out the session I didn't think I could do it or I knew it was going to be really tough and I've managed to do it and that's often the kind of session that I'll look back on in a race and and normally leading into a race I'll probably write down like my key five sessions that were really tough and I managed to do and and reflect on those during the race when I'm in one of those dark points and it kind of reminds me that I can do it and there's there's also sessions where it might be quite extreme and it's actually less about um the physical toll but more about mentally the toll that it has and and giving yourself the confidence that you know what you can do this it's maybe a little bit unnecessary but it's going to give you that mental edge in the race so yeah it's a lot about physical training but it's also a lot about the mental training as well now let me ask you about your year of racing this year then you've had you've had a pretty stellar year I think by anybody's standards haven't you You had the win at South Africa you had the win at Roth and then you had the sort of the 70.3 which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about and then Kona um, so first up, I wanted to ask you, sort of with the race that you've had at South Africa and Roth, where you kind of, you're out on your own, and usually your races, you're out on your own right from the gun, aren't you, right from the swim. Do you have to be quite sort of self-driven all the way through these races without anyone sort of around you to race for most of the year? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, you're you're definitely within your own head and I think coming from a swimming background, being a distance swimmer, a lot of the time, a lot of training and racing was just in my own head. So I think that's definitely helped having that ability to just be out front racing on your own. And you're not always aware of what the gaps are behind you. So you're just trying to keep pushing because you just don't know really if you're growing the gap or if it's closing. So I'm I'm always trying to judge that effort myself. Um, I quite like it in a way I do like being out front in the driving seat and applying the pressure I've had like a few different races this year like even actually South Africa um, at the beginning of the year because we had a shortened swim I just didn't get that normal lead I'd have um, on the swim and where I'd had actually a really big break over the winter my biking just wasn't where it could be so I actually ended up getting caught on the bike but that was actually quite nice in a way because I had a bit of company so there was a lot more going on and the bike leg actually went a bit quicker because I had other girls to like kind of see where they were and try and get back in front and then it made it more exciting um and then went on to have probably one of my best runs which kind of showed that the winter I'd focused more on my run than anything else um yeah so that was really good and then um the challenge championship actually in Slovakia was one of my favorite races this year because Um, I managed to win it for the third time and um, every time I've done that race I've I've won it slightly differently but 
this year was kind of my more typical style of racing just out from the front and and trying to hold off the gap so um that's definitely how I like to race but I don't mind when when things change because it gives me something else to kind of learn every race I do I, I definitely learn something new and I feel like I'm still learning which is really good but um yeah I feel like I've probably had my best season this year and um it was kind of uh almost a bit of disappointment not to win Kona but then I would still say that that was probably one of my best ever performances so I can't be disappointed it it has been a really good year well let's talk about Kona a little bit then because I mean what an epic battle you had at the end (laughs) of that race I was it was one of the only years where I've stayed up and just been gripped by it right to the very very finish for people who haven't seen it let's talk them through let's talk them through the race so you let out the swim I want yeah. to say as per usual, but that's not to kind of like gloss over the fact that you've obliterated everybody on the swim out onto the bike again. You rode really, really strongly again, didn't you? Yeah, I think it was definitely my best bike performance yeah. today. I, I kind of, my whole game plan was based on how Daniela Reef has caught me the two years previously. So I knew I wanted to back in that ride. Um, and literally the last hour just went super hard but felt really, really good. Um, but unfortunately, that just took its toll on my run. Um, from the kind of sessions um, I'd been doing in my training, the the time that I thought I could run, I just was way off of that. So um, the good thing is, I feel like I still have not anywhere near shown my run potential, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I led that race for seven and a half hours um, and then eventually got passed in the energy lab uh, by Annie Haug. And the thing was, I was getting splits and I was just hearing how much the gap was coming down and she was just tearing up that run course. And I think, obviously, if I'd had the run I could have had, I reckon it would have been me and Annie Howe basically sprinting in the last kilometres together, trying to trying to get that win, which would have been really exciting. But um, I ended up having a battle with Sarah Crowley. Um, I think I probably had maybe five or six k to go and Sarah Crowley passed me and there is this amazing picture from Steph Hansen from Wits Up where my face just says it all it's just like (laughs) oh god no like this is not what I wanted to happen dropping back into third place um and kind of in that moment I knew I was obviously suffering but everyone is suffering at that point so I was like let's just keep Sarah in your sights let's not let her get too far away because we'll see what happens and then I reckon I probably had less than three kilometers to go and Reese was actually out on the Queen K and he was like Lucy she's suffering like come on you've got to dig deep now let's see what you can do and I kind of was the gap I was closing it back down and I could see that Sarah was struggling in front and we kind of hit with less than maybe two kilometers to go you hit a slight rise on the Queen K before you drop down Polani so it was actually on that rise that I made my move and just went all in, basically. Didn't look back because um, I just didn't dare look back, basically. <laughs> um, and for those who don't know, actually, basically, as soon as I hit T2 in Kona, I started to get cramp in my legs. So my calves cramped, putting my trainers on um, and then running out of the transition up Polani, my quads started to cramp. So oh, no. it pretty much was a marathon of dealing with cramp in my legs and trying to manage my nutrition to stop that escalating. Um, 
but by the last 10k it was like everything was just cramping and going so my biggest nightmare when I overtook Sarah was that when we were running back down Polani my quads were just gonna go because I'm sure downhill is way worse so it just feels like it's way worse so yeah I just had to ignore everything in my body uh, and just go all in to finish Um, and it was quite funny because Reese was obviously out in the Queen K with less than three kilometres to go. So he didn't really know what was going on. He'd seen me in third and then he was basically sprinting back to try and get back to the finish before me. Um, so he didn't really know what was going on. And then when I finished in second, he just couldn't believe it. He was like, I can't actually believe you managed <laughs> to pull awesome. that back. So, yeah, that was really good. But honestly, I finished that race and I barely even knew where I was. I remember doing um an interview with Mike Riley on the finish line and I could hear that my words were slurring like I just had no control over what I was saying so god knows what I said I haven't actually watched that oh, back I could have said anything <laughs> um and then did obviously the the podium the champagne and then I was just straight in the medical tent and um after a few hours in there I was fine but uh, I had definitely laid everything on the line which for me was I've had actually a lot of comments from people going, well, how can you be happy with second? If if you're happy with second, then you're never going to win the race. And it's like, yes, but I know on that day I couldn't have given any more. So what more yeah. could I do? Like I, I'm over the moon with, with what I did and the performance I laid down. And obviously the result I wanted was to get the win. But when you've done everything you can, you just cannot be disappointed. So, um, yeah, it was a great day. It was a great race and it was a good way to sort of finish off a good year really i can't believe anybody would say that to you after watching you battle your <laughs> way back I, I watched the video again in preparation for the interview and actually because i'm such a geek i wrote down the timing sarah passed you with eight hours 14 on the clock okay. and you passed her back with eight hours 35 on the clock so you were 10 minutes from the finish line yeah when you when you passed her back so how far ahead did she get in that in that 20 minute section did you manage to hold her to a relatively like close enough to see or can you not really remember yeah there was there was never a point where I couldn't see her I could always see her I mean obviously it's a straight road the Queen yeah. Cave so it's it's hard to judge and I I always remember seeing her get to the aid station and then she'd probably just left the aid station before I got there so it probably never got to more than sort of 400 500 meters um I just yeah tried to control that gap as best I could and can you remember what you were thinking as you realized that you were closing the gap on her um I mean I just thought I don't want to drop off this podium really and I I didn't want to drop back a position having come second the last two years my ultimate goal was to go up a position definitely not go back one so I was like "You've, you've got to fight for this because um I mean, maybe most people would be happy just to get on the podium. But if you've been on the podium twice in seconds, it's kind of you don't want to go back one. So, yeah, I was really just fighting to to hold that second place and digging deep, ignoring every kind of pain in my body and just trying to hang on. What do you uh, what do you plan to do differently in future with the whole? I mean, hydration is it's such a challenging part, isn't it? When you're out in Kona and it's so hot and humid all the time. And I know in the past you've trained in heat and humidity in inside those heat chambers and stuff. Have you got a plan going forward to try and address those cramps? Um, I think the biggest thing this year was, and I would say like it is nigh on impossible to match your sweat rate um, with the intensity that we're trying to race in those conditions sort of as yeah. the top level athletes. But 
the thing that I kind of didn't really do was I I hadn't really although my strategy on the bike was to go quite hard and then really push the back end um I probably hadn't really practiced it enough in training that kind of style of racing so I'd done sort of hard efforts throughout but I'd never done say like a last hard hour on the bike so maybe that's something I need to address I mean this year we focused more than ever on my nutrition strategy we basically did like six hours on the indoor trainer in the heat um, measuring my sweat rate every hour to make sure I was matching it so we was really on board with that and probably quite lucky we was because of the cramp that did happen I think if I hadn't have focused so much on the nutrition then I could have completely fell apart yeah. um so yeah we definitely did focus on that um we will continue to focus on that I think we may even start a heat prep a lot earlier we did do a good amount of heat prep like we do every year but maybe we would start introducing that even earlier just to get that stimulus in super early and get the adaptions going um the nutrition I would say I almost did nail it but actually when I got back and I was in the medical tent they said I had lost um nearly two kilos in body weight so I was dehydrated um but it, it's just so difficult to match it in Kona. Um, I mean, we're lucky as pros. We actually have the pro aid stations on the run, and that makes such a big difference because you can plan your run nutrition to a T as well. And I think we have something like six or even more aid stations as pro athletes where we've got our own drinks. So we're really making sure we know what we're getting. And as long as you drink all of that, which I pretty much did drink nearly all of that as well. So it's like, it's difficult yeah, it's like to know how can much you do, more. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this year I've had a, quite a few races where I've had really bad stomach issues as well. So I'm always that little bit nervous of kind of pushing it that little bit more and trying to take on board more and more. So um, Kona, luckily, I had none of that, and I feel like we did get it right because I didn't have any of those kind of issues. But yeah, it's it's always like I said, we are always learning, which is a great thing with this sport. I think with the free disciplines and racing that long, you do just continue to learn. So, yeah, we will have another good look, and it's nice. We've got quite a while until Kona, so um, we've got plenty of time to address these things and and really look at trying to finally get that win next year. I think that is obviously the goal. So um, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> Now, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and you've just alluded to that there with the the six-hour indoor rides. I'm sitting down watching the Tour de France this year, as I'm sure many of our listeners were. Every single advert pops up. Guess who's advertising (laughs) with on the TV? There you are on national TV all the time. How did that come about? And were you you surprised that you ended up like, I mean, you were literally everywhere all over the coverage, (laughs) weren't you? That was amazing. Yeah, it was so cool. I think it probably was after I raced in Samarin, I think um, we did the filming for that um, in this little studio in London. And it was really cool. They they basically said, oh, Jan Fredino's just on set. You're going to go on next. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, and I did some like biking on Zwift and some running on Zwift for this shoot. And I just remember being on the bike and they were like, right, we, we need you to really push it now, like show your pain face, make it look like you're really working really hard. And I look out into the crowd of people that are there and Mo Farah's just there watching me on the bike. And I'm just like, oh my God, like this is crazy. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I didn't actually get to meet Mo because he'd gone into hair and makeup <laughs> when I was uh, leaving set. So um, I'm sure he didn't have to spend as long in hair and makeup as I did, but <laughs> but yeah, that was really cool. And I wasn't completely sure where the ad was going to go. They said it might be during the Tour de France. So 
yeah that was just really weird because we obviously love Tour de France as well so we had it on the telly and every now and again I'd be like oh my, there's me popping up again so <laughs> yeah that was really really cool um yeah and it's always great the the opportunities that come about from the different sponsors I have so um yeah that was brilliant and then you've just had this video out with Red Bull with them I've only managed to see a little bit of it but being taken to their headquarters and getting flown around and stuff what was that all about oh uh, yeah so um yeah basically Red Bull is based in Austria so um as a Red Bull athlete you get to go out and visit their headquarters and they also have um this really elite training facility for all the Red Bull athletes so I hadn't actually yet been out there and I've been a Red Bull athlete for about three years now so they were like we really want to get you out there there and show you all of this so um we sort of said well the best time to go really is during my off season to suss it out so um we went out there my sister actually now works for me doing all of my media stuff and we're really trying to push youtube at the moment so we kind of asked oh do you think we'd be allowed to film around the headquarters and and give people a bit of an insight into that and red bull were all for it so yeah it was an amazing trip they even gave us a helicopter tour so we could see the headquarters from above and just see the lakes in austria all the mountains we were so lucky as well because it was just such an amazing day so it was so clear we could see it all but yeah that was really really amazing of red bull to do that and yeah like i said some of the opportunities that i get to do just by being a triathlete and having these amazing sponsors is like i couldn't have imagined it when i started out so um yeah it's really amazing and the last time we talked i think you didn't even have a bike sponsor maybe it was the time before but do you remember you, you were without a bike sponsor and now obviously you're on the swanky new specialized <laughs> yeah i reckon when we last spoke um i was probably still on um i can't remember what frame i had it might have been a boardman frame but i'd actually stuck stickers over it so it said like lucycharles.com so that's right people yeah. knew that i i didn't have a deal and i think it probably wasn't long after we spoke because I signed with Specialised um, after I won Ironman Lanzarote or after I won the Challenge Championship in 2017. So um, my first race on the Specialised was when I did um, Frankfurt um, to qualify for Kona as a pro the first time. So, yeah, it's been like an amazing journey and kind of from looking back and a lot of people again from the outside it looks like it's super easy but we were struggling so much to get sponsors in those early days and even after winning a few a few races as a pro it's still so difficult you don't have people just ringing up the phone saying oh we want to sponsor you it's always the other way around where you're chasing to try and get brands to support you and kind of tell them well look this is where I'm aiming to be but until you've actually done it they, they don't believe it and I kind of feel like maybe I've proved quite a lot of brands wrong who I was trying to tell them what I was about and what I wanted to do in the early days and maybe they might be kicking themselves now that they didn't <laughs> sign a deal so um yeah right listen one last thing I want to ask you about because I am also a Volkswagen camper vanner <laughs> I'm loving the T6 the video you've produced with that the new T6 that you've just got it looks awesome Oh my God, it is absolutely amazing. So this came about by um, the triathlon show this year. Um, a friend of mine was actually at the show and he saw um, this company called CJL Leisure Vans were actually there and they were advertising that they wanted to partner with an athlete. And um, so I, I got in touch straight away because literally my dad's dream car from growing up has been like the vintage vws so yeah, me and my yeah, sister yeah. have always loved camper vans and sort of the dream is always to be able to get my dad one of the vintage ones one day but 
yeah so I kind of got in touch straight away I didn't even have a car at the time actually so I was like oh, it'd be great to just get four wheels to be honest to get about um so yeah I contacted them and it, it was quite a long process because they'd never actually done anything like it before so I was just working with them to see how it could work and it wasn't until um, after Kona this year, we, we actually took the trip down to Bristol and they were unveiling the van that they had done for us. And I had zero input into this. And honestly, I could not believe like the detail they'd gone to with kind of, they said they felt like they'd almost stalked me a little bit to get every detail to my personality. So even to the seats being kind of like my favorite colors and what yeah. my race suit is and, yeah just loads of little details that I just couldn't actually believe they'd gone to all this effort so um me and my sister and mum and dad are going to go down to Cornwall next week actually in the van and kind of get some content filming it how I'm going to use it for my training I might even be braving the sea next (laughs) this week in my wetsuit and um yeah just getting some footage of that but yeah it's really really cool and I think it will allow us to race a bit more in the UK train a bit more in the UK and just say you know what actually we fancy going up to the Lake District to train let's just pack up the van and go so um and if we race somewhere like Roth again we would just drive over with all the gear make it a road trip awesome. stop over so yeah he's, he's allowing us to have a lot more opportunities and I mean me and Reese just love doing things like park runs so we kind of would love to just go around the UK doing different park runs every weekend so yeah it's it's going to be a real sort of big opportunity for us and a bit of a lifestyle change hopefully I mean there's no doubt we'll obviously still go off to Lanzarote to train if the weather's terrible here but um yeah it's nice to know we can actually base ourselves around the uk and, and do a bit more at home fantastic all right listen final question then what are your race plans for next year going forwards oh so next year my race calendar is completely up in the air there's a lot of things actually going on within the um pro triathlon kind of circuit um i don't know if you've heard about the collins cup before yeah, yeah. it's been trying to be developed for a long a few time years now actually isn't it? Yeah. a lot of talk of it being next year so um until that's confirmed my season is quite up in the air and hopefully it's going to get confirmed soon because um it looks really really exciting actually for a lot of the pro athletes so if that goes ahead my season will be kind of leading more towards that i mean obviously next year the ultimate goal will be kona so everything is leading towards that i'll need to pick an ironman to validate at and at the moment i'm still my favourite Ironman really is Ironman South Africa, which is earlier than ever next year. I think it's at the end of March. So that yeah. is likely to be my validation race. Um, so I can get that done early. And then I could look at these um, Collins Cup type races um, put on by the PTO, which is the pro triathlete organisation. So, yeah, I'm kind of at the moment I have like an A, B and C plan for my season. Um, there's also a chance that I may actually get to start in the elite race at London Marathon. So that could be really exciting oh, wow. and um, would mean I really will work on my running until then because I don't want to get dropped in the first few Ks. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we'll see. I'm, I'm actually going to go and do a half marathon around December time just to make sure I have my championship time because I've, I've done – well, I've had a did not start at London Marathon in 2016 when I had a stress fracture 
And then this year I had a DNF because I went into the race with a stomach bug and I probably broke the record for the most portaloos used in like oh, eight miles. You. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I would like to go third time lucky and have a great run there. So that's definitely sort of one of my early season goals. And then, yeah, like I said, it will all just be leading towards Kona and trying to finally get that win there. So, yeah, unfortunately, I can't give you a lot more detail because I actually don't know at the moment. So, um yeah i'm sure it will we'll be putting it out on youtube once races are decided just to keep everyone in the loop and all my fans knowing what i'm doing so uh yeah we'll let everyone know once we know basically well we'll look forward to seeing those those firmed up plans in the future then but listen lucy thank you so much for the, the time to come back on the show congratulations on that like that incredibly gritty battle to win second <laughs> place at kona it was one of the one of the highlights of my year watching you battle back to do that because i think coming back to overtake somebody when you've been overtaken at the very highest level especially in that heat and humidity is it's like a hats off to your moment so look forward to seeing that sprint finish next year maybe hey i yeah i wouldn't mind i always love a bit of excitement in my racing and delivering the excitement to everyone watching so uh, yeah yeah hopefully <laughs> great well thank you very much for your time oh thank you very much great chance you rob take care Awesome interview with her. Obviously, Lucy talking there about her indoor training and her sponsorship with Zwift and her love of the indoor training and how it really helps her get the best out of herself. And it's it's obviously definitely working for her, isn't it, with the performances we've seen from her over the last couple of years. So get on it on the indoor training, everybody, and take care of your hydration needs with our friends at Precision Hydration. All right. So before we continue, we have got a few bits and bobs of news and races coming up this weekend. But first, a shout out to our other sponsors thriver.co a lot of you will have heard of me talking about how much i love this product it is an at home finger prick blood test you order it from them it gets delivered through the post in a cute little box and from opening the box to having the whole test done takes you less than five minutes it's really super simple you do a quick finger prick at the end of your little finger you squeeze four or five drops of blood into the little um, little test tube that they send you and you send it back to them and you can completely personalize the blood test that you have to to get any manner of readings on your health so whether you're tracking for athletes tracking things like iron levels testosterone liver function vitamin b9 and b12 vitamin d all the stuff that's really important to take care of or if you're interested in your health and you're tracking things like thyroid function diabetes cholesterol omega-3 and omega-6 you can decide exactly what you want um, in your blood test the price varies depending on how many tests you have done so I've been talking with a doctor in the background. We're going to have a special in a few weeks' time talking about my blood tests and some of the special uh, different supplements you can take to keep on top of both your health and your performance. Things like vitamin B12 and vitamin D and how important it is that us athletes supplement with that, especially during the winter time. So if you've not taken a blood test with them and you're interested, you can get £30 off your first test by using the code OxygenAddict30 over at Thriver.co and watch out for our... It's not just about blood tests, it's about health in general and diet in general and how we can get the best out of ourselves as athletes, especially during the winter months. That special will be coming up in a few weeks' time. So, races we've got going on this weekend. The first one I'm excited to see is the Middle Eastern Championships at 73 Bahrain. Now, if you think back to last year, we had Christian Blumenfeld take out the win. He was about 20 seconds ahead of Gustav Eden. They had a crazy battle on the run. And I think both ran 
106 something to take the win so amazing performance from them and Casper Storns was in third place so they had a a complete Norwegian podium there this year doesn't look like Gustav Eden's on the start list but both Christian and Casper are again Ben Knut's on the start list as well Ali Brownlee's on the start list now whether he'll race off the back of his race at the full distance race Western Australia that's just happened this past weekend um, I know he's a sponsored athlete on the Bahrain endurance team so it might be interesting to see whether he's actually there on the start line but regardless it was a super fast race last year. The, the world best got broken with um, 3.29 from Christian Blumenfeld. So an amazing race from him. Over on the women's side, Holly Lawrence broke four hours last year. She went, I think, three, yeah, she went 3.59.20 um, for her second win in a row as well, ahead of Sarah Lewis and Ellie Salthouse. This year, the pro start list for the women has got, as well as Holly Lawrence, we've got Sarah Svensk, we've got Britain's Jody Stimson, we've also got Lisa Norden on there. So be good racing there. I know Holly will be super keen to take her third win in the row. She's also part of the Bahrain endurance team there. So it'll be super fast racing. And I think Holly was only three minutes away from breaking the world best time last year. So if she's in great form, maybe she'll be going for that as well. So check that out. There's usually really good coverage on the uh, Facebook watch from Ironman Live. There's also going to be racing down at 70.3 New Zealand at Topar. Um, Now, when I saw the start list for this, again, it looked like we had, first, we've got Mike Phillips there. We've got Max Newman. We've got Cameron Brown on the start list. Now, he was racing Western Australia and pulled out during the run. We've also got Hayden Wild, who you'll remember, just caused a sensation at racing Super League Trimalta when we were there. He was absolutely on fire and is a real gutsy racer and races everything from the very short distances all the way through Xterras, all the way through to 70.3. So personally, I'm super excited to see how well he does at this because I kind of said to him in the interview after Super League Malta, have you thought about stepping up to 70.3? He said, oh yeah, I've raced a few of those before, mate. And I didn't know that. Obviously, he was from a sort of a longer distance Xterra racing background as well. So I'm super excited to see how he goes from racing the short distances all the way through to 70.3. Over on the women's side, we've got Hannah Wells, Rebecca Clark, Laura Wood lining up as well. So that should be a great race and it's down in a beautiful location. Other news from around the world to, to wrap up this week. Outlaw have announced a new half distance race taking up at the Bowood Estate in Wiltshire. That's going to take place on Sunday, the 7th of June. Entries for that are open over at outlaw.com. And Super League Try have announced that Ottawa is going to be one of their qualifying races taking place on the 4th of July. So it's one of four Super League qualifiers confirmed now for 2020, along with the events in Bali and Ecuador and Poznan in Poland. There's another further event apparently to be announced in early 2020 that will round out their qualifiers. And then the, uh, the main championship events are going to be taking place after the Olympics. All right, so that pretty much wraps up our episode today. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed that. Let us know what you think over on the Oxygenetic Triathlon community page on Facebook. If you're not a member there, you can join up for free and talk all things triathlon with us. Thanks very much to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. Remember, you can get a free box or tube worth up to $9.99 with the code OxygenAddict. Thriver.co, you can get £30 off your first test with the code OxygenAddict30. And if you're looking for triathlon coaching or you're considering 
considering getting triathlon coaching to start the new year off. We're going to have some big deals going on for the for our January sale. So keep an eye out for that one. You can go over to teamoxygenetic.com and check out um, check out our coaching packages over there. Now remember, there's a link in the show notes for all of these sponsors, so you don't have to remember them. So just go into the show notes, either iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your show, and there'll be clickable links in there that'll take you directly to our offers. And that's it for this week's show. Thanks very much, everyone. Until next week, have a great, safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby, and you've been listening to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. See ya. See ya.